0: what have you been doing
1: just a bunch of um freelance (laughs) just coming in left and right um yeah so i've been trying to take care of that but
0: yeah and and that freelance work that you're doing is it um is it more or less word of mouth how are you getting those clients
1: yeah so and i'm glad you asked me that when this COVID-19 first hit back in march Mm -hmm. what i started doing because i didn't know whether the shady company i was going to be working for whether they were going to still have me there over the next few months not knowing what was going to happen Mm -hmm. I started going out and actively recruiting for freelance clients Mm. so there's like two or three of them that are They're just continuous, you know, whatever little projects Mm -hmm. they have. And then a couple kind of float in and out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've gotten other ones just by uh, word of mouth. But I started stacking the freelance clients back then Mm -hmm. because I just didn't know what situation I was going to be in financially. And I didn't know whether I was going to be, you know, even employed or not. And I'm glad I did that because Mm -hmm. the inevitable happened.
0: Yeah, man. So let's, um, <laughs> let's, let's dive into that really quick, man. I didn't want to go that early, but you brought it up and you gave me the alley-oop. So I'm a dunk. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Titus, can you give a little bit of background and then we jump straight into this, uh, LinkedIn incident? I'll call okay. it.
1: Okay. <laughs> yep. So Everett and I have worked together at 7-Eleven. I'm a UX designer. Mm-hmm. And so we worked together at 7-Eleven and it was a really great opportunity there because I got to see some of the stuff they were really doing it was really cool Uh, but I only worked for like six months and I'm kind of glad I got in and out of there when I did because they were going through their own bullshit Mm -hmm. at the time Mm -hmm. and so you know I wanted to find something permanent because that was a contractual job and so I found this company uh, elevate elevate credit and they specialize in high interest loans for high risk customers. So if you have a few blemishes on your credit score or something like that, you can get a loan through them. And it's normally at a rate of like 130%. And I'm not Mm. kidding you. It's really that high. I can't even believe that they're able to do it. (laughs) That shit sounds horrible. Yeah, it was 130% (laughs) on average for their loans. You can get up to $5,000. God. I said, for what it's worth, I would rather just donate my plasma. But anyway, give somebody a kidney.
0: <laughs> yeah. For that bullshit. Wow. Yeah.
1: So over the course of the past couple months, I helped them, you know, build out their design system. I had experience within design systems. Everett and I worked on 7-Eleven's design system as best we could while we were there. And uh, I worked on a couple of journeys. Well, all the while we have been having these um, Huddlewood Harrison meetings every two weeks with our CEO. And he would go over to company financials and he would talk about the state of affairs and everything was, he was painting it rosy mm-hmm. up until like this out of blue meeting that I got called to on mm-hmm. the eighth of this month. Mm-hmm. And so previous week he said, you know, we don't, Can't really forecast that we'll have any layoffs or anything like that. You know, we're just going to have to play it by ear. Mm -hmm. I get to this meeting. Uh, It was a a teams meeting. Mm -hmm. I was the only one who could see, you know, him. There was no one else that could see each other on the call. Mm -hmm. And he basically said, you know, if you're on this call, it's because, you know, we've had to make some, you know, dire cuts. I just want to let you know, today is your last day with Elevate. HR yeah. will be reaching out to you within the next couple hours to decide next steps as far as your equipment and stuff like that.
0: And this was after he said that they weren't doing any layoffs.
1: He said he didn't say they weren't. He, yeah, just okay. said, he was methodical. He, okay. yeah, He was methodical. And he kind of skirted around and skated around the question because it was asked multiple times. Mm-hmm. So he didn't say yes or no. He just said that things looked kind of positive.
0: Okay. So
1: that was that morning, around 8.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. Got off the phone with him, got off Teams with him, and I started gathering up all my files and shit. As soon as they did that, as soon as they made the announcement, they blocked me from being able to access any cloud drives, (laughs) any email accounts that had access to cloud. So my Gmail account was blocked. What? Couldn't use retransfer transfer any links like that to transfer files. When I tried to zip the file with some of the files that I had collected, mm-hmm. when I opened it on my computer, it had a block on it.
2: <laughs> wow. So they
1: blocked all access to any type of files or anything like that. Little did they know, I'm a little smarter than most people when it comes to tech. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was able to circumvent that bullshit that they put on yeah. the zip file.
3: Yeah.
0: Wow. But
1: Everything happened really quick. They really just, they you just shuffled people out the door. Just like that. It was like within a matter of hours.
3: Golly, man. Dude, that See, sounds like one... it was like predetermined. Because like, Yo, It. Yeah. I, 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 I work IT. Mm -hmm. Like we, we deal with that sometimes and it's like, Mm -hmm. no, they have to let us know like at least five days in advance just so Mm -hmm. we can be able to hit the button and cut everything off.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I'm sorry, man.
0: Damn dude. So, so how did you process that?
3: It was, it was an initial
1: shock. And at first I was like, okay, they're going to come back and say, Oh, well, we were just playing with the, you know, we just want to make sure that you, you know, you stay on your game as far as UX. This could be just a <laughs> fire drill, but what's to come? Right, um, right, But I was shocked. You know, I was really shocked by it um, because I, there was no innuendo. There was no mm-hmm. rumors that was circulating around the office or mm-hmm. anything like that. So it caught me totally by surprise. Mm-hmm. Everyone that I knew that I talked to that had went through a layoff, they
2: mm-hmm. said
1: this was probably one of the most severe layoffs that they've heard of because mm-hmm. they normally was preempted. Like, mm-hmm. like the, the guy just said, five days ahead, a month ahead, a couple weeks ahead, mm-hmm. to let people know what's to come. Mm-hmm. This company did none of that.
2: Mm. It wow. just
1: totally came out the blue. And we literally had to turn in our stuff, like, the next day. Yeah. Wow. So. Wow, dude.
0: And this is obviously... Going on during COVID, I can only imagine how that feels on you. dealing with this shit, and then you, then COVID is in the background. Like,
1: yeah, I I couldn't believe it. You know, my wife, she's she works in management, and she told me, you know, from her past feelings that you know this layoff is kind of extreme. Mm -hmm. And for me, I just couldn't. I just couldn't sit in it. Like, I Mm -hmm. had to, you know, find a way to find some positive message or meaning behind this mm-hmm. and so that's why I posted what I posted on LinkedIn because I felt like there's other people who are going through the same thing mm-hmm. who you know may not be in a good mental state because of all the shit that's going on with COVID the uncertainty mm-hmm. about things to come being laid off having bills to think about having a family to think about and I just didn't want to sit in it I wanted to kind of tell my story hoping that someone else will be inspired and to let them know that you know the impact of this pandemic can Mm -hmm. be far-reaching and for some months and some years to come. Mm -hmm. And I think allowing me to just be able to use it as a platform just helped me to be able to process things Mm -hmm. and accept things for what they were and Mm -hmm. not, you know, just sit and stew in it and allow it to overtake
3: me.
0: Did you at any point think to yourself like it was something that you did? or did you just literally take it for what it was?
3: Oh
1: yeah, I thought it was something I did because Mm -hmm. like my boss didn't talk to me for like days.
0: Mm. So leading up to that.
1: He well, so we had off and on conversation, you know, before Mm -hmm. then, but even after the layoff, like he didn't reach out to me immediately. Mm -hmm. I didn't get any direct feedback from anyone that was close to him, like my counterpart there. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, well, was it a performance issue or, you know, some other issue that was going on? Mm -hmm. And I found out kind of like serendipitously about the other people who had got laid off within that same department. Right. And we started talking and we started taking notes and stuff like that. It was like, okay, well, you know, all of us are really good at what we do. Mm -hmm. So it couldn't have been like a performance issue. Mm hmm. And then we noticed, too, within that department, it was eight of us. Uh, There was, like, two Hispanics, one Black, myself, one Indian. Mm -hmm. I got uh, let go. One Hispanic guy got let go. And the Mm -hmm. Indian chick got let go, too. Yeah. Wow. And so I was (laughs) like, well, is it a coincidence? I don't want to put together any conspiracy theories or anything like that. But, you know, those questions came to mind. Yeah. But you know later on like the following week David my former boss he finally reached out to me he was like he was just so upset by mm-hmm. the decisions that were being made that he had no control over that mm-hmm. he just couldn't he just couldn't address it right then and
2: there. Mm-hmm.
1: So, okay.
0: Can you speak to some of the politics that you've experienced or witnessed um, as a designer?
1: Uh, I've seen designers get like promotions and accolades Mm -hmm. based upon you know who they play golf with Mm -hmm. or who they hang out with outside of work Um, I've seen people like um, just get the kind of attention and everything that you know someone that you think is doing really hard work should be getting Mm -hmm. uh, just Mm -hmm. because of their associations not because of the work that they are producing Right. Uh, for me, it's been, you know, all about doing really good work and making sure my shit is tight because mm-hmm. I never know when the hammer can come down or mm-hmm. when, you know, people are going to be evaluating me. And mm-hmm. so, you know, in that regard, I've seen, you know, just a, a, a number of things to make me always kind of, not paranoid, but just mm-hmm. making sure that I'm on my A game.
0: Right, right.
1: And because office politics happen... They pretty much happen everywhere I worked, Mm -hmm. and they come in different shapes and sizes and things like that. And sometimes it just means you're really cool with this product owner, or Mm -hmm. you're really cool with you know this manager or whatever Mm -hmm. that you'll be able to basically skate past and you know do shitty work Mm -hmm. and not get reprimanded for it.
0: I was gonna ask you. uh, people play favorites depending upon who they work, I mean who they hang with outside of work. So I've seen that in a couple of my jobs too. Do you think it's wrong to use that to your advantage though?
1: Uh, I would say so I'm always going to be an advocate of the customer. So I tell everyone that when I first interview for a job, when I first come to a department. So I figure, feel like if you're playing favorites and that's not really going to impact the work that we're doing in a positive way to make sure that what we're doing from a user experience perspective is going to reach the customers that it needs to reach and do it in an effective way, then yes, to me, it is a problem because it's like, you're not really a part of the solution Uh and you're just another body in the seat. You're not really effectively helping the cause, which is to provide good user experience for the customers that we touch. And I think Uh a lot of that too goes into like people's, There's a lot of opinion when it comes to design. Mm -hmm. A lot of product owners think that they have like a say in what goes on in design. And really it's not, you're not the customer. Product owners are not the customer. Mm -hmm. We are here to serve the customer. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to take politics out of it and keep the customer in the forefront, which I think is easier said than done because of anything that's
0: realistic to take politics out of any workplace?
1: I think... If you, so like I tell most people, when I go to a job, I go there to work. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. really go there to make friends. And a couple of people have gotten offended by that. Mm -hmm. I have forged friendships with people like Everett and other people that I knew who was kind of on the same pulse when it comes to work. They're there to, you know, get the work done and, you know, nix the politics. And I think that is doable. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm able to navigate the politics because I'm coming in there knowing that I'm on a mission. My Mm -hmm. mission is to complete the next six or eight journeys to make sure that we are in a good place as far as like conversion or something like that or increasing Mm -hmm. or decreasing bounce rate on a particular page. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's easy for me to navigate the politics because when it comes to like my personal life or anything like that, all that is out of the way. I just want to get the work done. If we reach that point later on in our relationship, then, you know, fine. So be it. But I'm all about the work.
0: Can you talk about what part of the process you feel that you specialize in? Um, Is it a part of the UX process or is it some other uh, discipline?
1: Um, So I'm a huge visual designer. I like Mm -hmm. uh, visual design and I try to marry that with, you know, really strong, information architecture. So Mm -hmm. for a lot of the journeys that I worked on, it's all about making sure you understand the mechanics of a journey Mm -hmm. to reduce the amount of, you know, impediments that a customer would have as they're going through a journey, whether it's an app, Mm -hmm. whether they're making a payment or something like that. And Mm -hmm. so for me, um, information architecture is very important, but I also like to add visual design to that to make it appealing. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like if you're going to go out and do something as mundane as making a payment, it shouldn't Mm -hmm. look like, you know, an admin portal or something. like that. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know, it should have like micro interactions and things that, you know, make you feel like make you feel comfortable with this company or this particular business that you, you know, have a credit card with or you're paying a bill with.
0: How did you get into the industry?
1: So I was a graphic designer at first and, um,
2: boom, boom.
1: Yeah. Everyone seems to start with graphic design that I know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I had been in insurance for years. I hated it. You made a lot of money with it in insurance sales but the job itself is very like mm-hmm. mundane after a while and it can be very stressful mm-hmm. and so I wanted to do something creative because I've been a fine artist since I was like four or five years old ever since I can hold a pencil mm-hmm. and so I wanted to find something that allowed me to be creative at work mm-hmm. and I went into graphic design a few years ago and then I realized with the graphic design I wasn't getting the fulfillment that I needed because a lot of what the work that I was getting was order mm-hmm. taker or work. Mm-hmm. Do this for this client by this date. Right. We don't want your opinion about the color. Just do it. You know. And mm-hmm. that became old to me. I needed something where I can apply analytics because I'm kind of an analytical mindset. Mm-hmm. And so that's what kind of started the course of me looking into it, looking mm-hmm. into UX design, looking into product design. Mm -hmm. And what ultimately did it for me is I was working at this larger agency here and this one guy I worked with who I knew didn't stand a snowball's chance in hell of becoming a UX designer. He got a job and I was like, if he can get a job as a UX designer and his graphic design suck, I know, I know that I can figure this shit out.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and so
1: that was the that was the ultimate motivator. Seeing him get a UX designer job, I was like, okay, I'm going yeah. on full throttle now.
0: Did you like self teach yourself, or did you go through like another course or something? Like, how did you like what?
1: I'll tell you this much: it was very overwhelming at first um, because mm-hmm. I just heard like little whispers about UX design. I didn't really right. know what it was. And so I went on YouTube one day and I was I just typed in the words how to become a UX designer. Yeah. <laughs> and there is a lot of talking heads out there. There's like mm-hmm. a whole there's a whole bunch of talking heads out on YouTube. And mm-hmm. there was this one guy by the name of um uh, Michael Locke mm-hmm. that he's based out of California. He worked for ADP for a number of years. He started as a web designer back in the 90s, and he just was so cool when it came to UX design. And he broke it down into simple terms and not these like boardroom corporate educational talking which is Mm -hmm. simple ux understanding Mm -hmm. and so i started listening to his videos i would start doing like little projects here and there i kind of picked projects i like because i'm a huge car fan and i like food so i picked like ux projects mock projects i actually Mm -hmm. enjoy doing and um that's what kind of started the um the process is if you find something that you really like doing as a project Mm -hmm like the UX, like the ideas and stuff like that will come naturally, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I would just do these projects like every you know other weekend. And I did them for like six months. My wife thought I was crazy. She was like, what are you <laughs> doing? Like late at night on the computer. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to learn this UX stuff. Yeah. And within <laughs> six months of doing that, <clears throat> having you know various people within the industry look at my portfolio and I would cold call them. I would just send people that, I met at meetups, mm-hmm. LinkedIn, I would LinkedIn them and I would ask them, to look at my portfolio and, uh, it would give me harsh feedback, but mm-hmm. they gave me what I needed to know in order to make sure that I was marketable. And so I did that for about six months and I was able to land my first job at city by the end of that six month period.
0: Oh, damn. Okay. Uh-huh. City. Yeah. So, I mean, we've heard a lot about city, um, and, they pretty much had a well-oiled machine there. Yeah. Can you co sign that?
1: City had like a brain trust. Mm-hmm. It was like some of the city folks at everett, mm-hmm. I still keep in contact to this day because they were just so talented. Yeah. You know they had a great trust. A brain, brain. trust. Yeah, Yeah. their knowledge base with all the designers, uh, it was just so on point. Everyone, you know, had their own different way of designing, but everyone was like a beast in what they did. Mm -hmm. I was the one that was feeling like I had to, you know, learn a lot from them. And I did. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: um, they were doing things for, you know, really well for a while. And then they had some organizational changes where design moved up under tech.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: when that happened they had this team that we call the shadow team that was working up under our new leader mm-hmm. and the shadow team was this chosen group of people that he had employed from Verizon and they mm-hmm. were the B team, they weren't that great they were shit <laughs> <laughs> I mean I've seen better looking things stuck to the bottom of my shoe but yeah. uh, the shadow <laughs> team was doing all these, pro- and this is what I'm talking about about politics, mm-hmm. they were doing these projects and They weren't using any of our corporate identity. They were not using our brand standards. They weren't adopting Mm. anything from our digital design language and they were presented to him. And because they did it, Mm -hmm. he would approve it. He would sign off on it. They wouldn't go through any type of user testing or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And what would happen is that when something get released, when a feature got released, it would tank Mm -hmm. bounce rates would increase. Um, people complained about you know not being able to make the payment the way they used to making uh, mm-hmm. for transactional things, and so it kind of just went awry very quickly. And I didn't want to be a part of a sinking ship,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so I said, you know, I think I'm going to leave on a high note. I was mm-hmm. on a contract at the time, and they didn't they were non-committal about whether they wanted to bring me on permanently or not. Mm-hmm. And so I bounced and I went to Seven uh, Eleven, but. The People that was there, and by the way, City is still trying to get me to come back uh, to this yeah. thing. <laughs> Why don't you want to go back? Huh? Why don't you want to go back if you got so much good stuff to say? Huh? Because that leader that came in there and blew the shit up is mm-hmm. still there. Oh, uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. And that
3: one person makes it bad, like for the whole organization. It can uh, take
1: one mm. person who has the ability to make the decisions. Just Oh, yeah. Really
3: bad. It can fuck it up, I bet. Yeah.
2: hmm
1: Yeah. And it just took him and when he got in office, like people just started leaving, like, like mm-hmm. I mean, they designs start leaving left and right. Mm-hmm. And what they have over there now, because now City just wanna get a body in a seat. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily have to be qualified to be a UX designer per se in order to get a job over there. And I don't want to work with a, a bunch of amateurs. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I'm used to working with seasoned people now. I don't want to work with a bunch of people that, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I question <laughs> everything that they're doing.
2: how does that make us feel? Well, no, don't
1: feel bad. I'm, I'm saying... <laughs> no, no. I do believe that you have to start somewhere and I do believe that companies should hire <laughs> junior designers as well. But... They were hired, They have been hiring nothing but junior designers because of the reputation that they've developed within the UX industry. The same way, AT and T, has developed a poor representation, uh poor uh, perception within the UX community. Mm-hmm. And so, because of that, it's like you're. I'm kind of incredulous about wanting to go back over there because I don't want it to be like it was before I left. And I don't mm-hmm. think much has changed.
3: Okay, so just a segue into that. So mm-hmm. what do you feel like you would like to see
0: done to help junior designers kind of get to that level a little bit faster? Because I'm sure you're not the only probably senior designer that has that type of perspective. So like, what would you say you would like to see done for the new UX designers to get them to that level?
1: Mm-hmm. For me, what helped me out is to be perfectly honest with you, moving around a lot getting a panoramic view of different industry products, going from city to 7-Eleven, working at, you know, agency for a little while, because with each experience, it's like I learned something new about me as far as a Unix designer, and I also learned something new about the different products that we are building, that we're designing for. And that really helped kind of mold and shape me into like, a more refined UX designer. I will say that I'm still in the process of learning. I don't think I'll ever stop wanting to learn and being Mm -hmm. in the classroom. But in order to really, I think, define your craft and really make sure that you are like on the top of your game, you have to do a lot of outside projects. Like I still do outside projects. I do a lot of like reading of UX blogs to stay current on the current trends the current things that's going on within the UX community. Uh, Mm -hmm. I try to stay connected with the UX community locally here, whether it's uh, DVUX, whether it's this forum here, whether it's, you know, the friends that I've, uh, you know, made connects with. All those things is going to help you become better at what you do because the more you see it, the more you're around it, the more you're around people who are doing it, the better you're going to be at it.
0: You said bouncing around a lot kind of helped you um, get a, Broader view, bigger picture view as a junior designer, um, moving around a lot. Does that mean like you took advantage of the contract game?
1: Yeah. So with the contract, there's a couple companies that are absolutely like. K Force is one of them. Boom. Uh, tech <laughs> That's Yeah. Okay. You. Yeah. Yep. K Force. All right. So mm-hmm. you you have experience with K Force. I remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, tech Systems is another one. Um, they have really knowledgeable recruiters. And they have really good relationships with really good companies locally. Mm-hmm. And so because they understand what a UX designer is, because a lot of recruiters that even I'm contacted by to this day, don't mm-hmm. understand what a UX designer is. Like mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, I got a job uh, request for a developer. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's not UX. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's from yeah. a recruiter. And she read, I can tell that she was reading something off script when I was talking to her, I was like, well, this, you know, Mm sounds like a developer to me, Mm -hmm. but working with those, working with those companies, there's another one that I can't think of right now, tech systems, K force. And there's another one that I know of their Mm -hmm. recruiting staff are just on their a game. They're very knowledgeable about what a UX designer does is, and they have good relationships with some of the larger companies Mm -hmm. here. And if you can do like a year, Mm -hmm. you know, push for a year, If you can, if you can do something where it's six months to a year, Mm -hmm. um, try it out, see how it goes. But what really helped me, too, because when I got to the city, I really wasn't as knowledgeable as I should have been about UX design. Mm -hmm. I had a really good relationship. I had Mm -hmm. a really good personality. Mm -hmm. So people see that and they say, oh, well, you know, Tice and stuff, you know, it's still like five or four pixels off. Mm -hmm. but because he's easy to work with and he's not like a prima donna, like some of these other UX designers in here, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're willing to keep him and actually try to mold him and give him like some more work Mm -hmm. just to challenge him. And that was kind of my experience there.
3: They'll cancel you off three to four pixels being off. No. <laughs> no no okay, okay, okay.
1: No. No, okay. <laughs> no, so, no when okay when i worked at uh when i worked at city i had i was on the digital design language team mm-hmm. and i had this boss that was like a beast mm-hmm. and because our components had to be like pixel for pixel perfect he could mm-hmm. look at a component and tell whether it was three to four pixels off now wow. i can do the same thing yeah Uh, but because we were furnishing these components to every other design team within the organization he had to be a stickler on that because he didn't want our work to look shabby he wanted us to produce really good work Mm -hmm. but um you know that's kind of what really helped me i think there is been wanting to take projects even if i didn't like doing them or even if i didn't feel comfortable with doing them because i would never tell someone no Mm -hmm. um doing that and just having just a positive attitude about whatever circumstance that you're in. Mm -hmm. Because the money itself was enough for me to just skip to work every day. Like what, you (laughs) need me to build a design system of 3000 components
3: by Friday? Yep, I'll do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Got you, got you. I
3: have a quick quick question, man. Yeah. So kind of like with all the the contract work you've done and like companies that you've worked with and everything, what would you say is, like, what can you kind of tell, like, from the instance you came through, like, what were, like, t- signs where you could see it was not a good team or signs where you could see it was a good team and how, like, your personality would kind of fit with them?
1: Ooh, so City was, from the back, they were just a really good team. I can't say mm-hmm. enough good things about City. Like, they were just a cool group. And, like I said, we had a team of maybe upwards of 25 people. Mm-hmm. And so you had 25 25- – 24 different personalities you had to deal with, you know, not every day because you weren't working on the same things, but, you know, just within the office, 7-Eleven. It took me like three weeks to figure out that (laughs) this situation is not good. And, you know, it was like, mm, you know, no wonder I was able to negotiate a higher rate because (laughs) they would put people in the marketing department through a meat grinder. And that's what mm-hmm. I work, that's why I worked. So there was other designers that went through their their marketing department because the marketing department was totally separate from the rest of the UX design practice. Mm-hmm. And um <clears throat> they would just I don't know, it was like um like a Jedi mind trick. You would get assigned to do something,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then you would do it based upon you know what they were asking or whatever, and they would come back and they would say no, that's not what I meant. Or it would be like, you know, they would do things like the creative director over there, he went back and told, he went back and told my boss at the time, Mike Tinglin, that mm-hmm. I wasn't working up to the standards that they have come to know and appreciate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what it was is that because he was a creative director, meaning that he was a graphic design creative director, he didn't understand UX. So when he would yeah. say something that was dumb, I would call him on it. Yeah. Yeah. So he would, and he was good at going in these conference rooms and saying something dumb like, oh, well, we should use this color from the background. Now, I asked him, you know, did that, do you think that's going to pass color contrast? Have you did any color contrast metrics on it? And he would be like, well, what's that?
0: Wow. <laughs> and you're the creative director.
1: Yes. <laughs> who knew nothing about digital, who knew nothing about accessibility or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. so it was yeah. just stuff like that okay
0: it's it's funny you say that too because you know um, I heard of a scenario where um, a student of mine at their job they hired a a, a manager, a design manager who couldn't design <laughs> It's like I've never heard of that shit <laughs> so it's like that politics stuff man it's hard to keep
1: it out because yeah. when you
0: see shit like that you're like wait hold up hold up hold up You're a design manager, but you don't know any design tools. You don't know how to use sketch. You don't know how to use any design tool, period. Yeah. How are you going to give me direction? As you look back now at your journey coming up, um, what are some things that you wish you had known?
1: Yeah. Two things I wish I had known. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me, I wish I had known that having the importance of having a portfolio Mm-hmm. knowing the content that you have to have in a portfolio, because I had <clears throat> was of the opinion that your graphic design portfolio was a UX design portfolio was similar to a graphic design portfolio. You show mm-hmm. some visuals of what you can do and you're done. Mm-hmm. But with UX design, because there requires cognitive thinking and mm-hmm. you having to be a little more analytical to, you know, get people to understand why you went from A to Z on a particular project. Mm -hmm. I guess I didn't know that you have to put context around what it is that you're trying to solve for. Mm -hmm. And you have Mm -hmm. to have the right context. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a big one. Uh, Number two, knowing your worth, because I didn't realize that whenever you go to the table, Mm -hmm. when you're negotiating back and forth, everything's up for negotiation. Yeah. Everything is up for negotiation. Mm-hmm. So when someone offers you a lowball offer, don't be so quick to, to settle for it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you feel like you're worth more than that, say, this is what I feel like I'm worth and be prepared to provide a backup or, you know, mm-hmm. back that up as to why you feel like you're worth this amount.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: then let that recruiter, if you're doing contractual work, let them mm-hmm. you know, negotiate that or renegotiate that with their client.
0: This is definitely, definitely a really, really good talking point because, you know, I think a lot of people do make that mistake of just, you know, taking the first deal that they're, uh, yep. they're given. And, um, you know, for me, there's a few tactics that I picked up, you know, along the way when it comes to negotiating. And, you know, especially that allowed me to jump at the salaries that I've been able to jump I would tell you, man, I was lying my ass off. (laughs) Like, dude, like, so let me tell you how I got, let me tell you how I got the second job, right? So my first job in here, I made, I got $75,000, right? Uh The next job was at 105. And then I tell some people that like seasoned people, they're like, yo, how the hell, like how the hell you manage that, right? So I was like, okay. I knew my visual design skills were better than a lot of UX designers at that time. I knew the process. I knew how to set up, uh, the information of a case study correctly i knew what what they wanted to see my process so i knew i had that down packed. so for me it was just utilizing the visual design that visual design helped me because when they go and look they go oh oh and meanwhile <laughs> they don't know that two out of those three projects were completely made up like they don't yeah. really give a shit <laughs> they don't yeah. give a shit at all so i went in there and talked and for me i did i It took me three years to get to this point, right? You know, Mm self-teaching myself, I would say about six to eight months. And then after that, it was just fucking up on interviews, dude, and just remembering (laughs) what I said that turned people off. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I know not to say that. Then I go research why that was done. Mm -hmm. And so utilizing that, what I did was, okay, my portfolio is gonna be bomb. So what I did, all the next companies that I applied for, I was making 75. I was telling them I was making 88 base right? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And then with bonus, it came out to like 92. Mm -hmm. So me thinking psychologically, okay, if I was in their shoes, he's not going to make the move unless we give him maybe 10 more thousand than what he's getting in his bonus. So there goes the $100,000. So I just told you, basically, I'm ending with 90. I'm going to need a little bit more to make it worth my while to leave. And they're like, okay, well, how does 110 or 105? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That's the type of shit I did. And then also to solidify that, right? So <laughs> I went into the interview. I killed it, right? I had, now I interviewed at City. The funny thing is, I turned down City twice. And
1: oh, wow. I,
0: yeah, because, dude, it was just all over the place. But I turned down City twice. And Chris Worley was the guy
1: who I yeah. was. You remember? Okay. Chris so, reached out to me recently to come back to city. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was our group creative director. He's still over there. Oh, he's still there. Okay. Yeah, wow. He, he's not going anywhere. Really? <laughs> no. So
0: I told, you know, my job at the time, I said, Hey, look, I got an interview with uh city. I got an interview with, uh, at the time it was right point. And then I had an interview with, uh, somebody else. I said, Hey, look, city is offering me, you know, some money so if you guys want to and I told the company I said I tell you what they're offering me 100 if y'all can make it that range or slightly over I'll tell everybody else I'm not coming because they kept trying to get me to accept 90 90 and I had it in my head I want 100 and so what's funny was after that I told them the you know I went in there did well told them that other people are looking at me and then I left 45 minutes later they called back and said hey we want to give you 105 with these extra perks. I said, "Oh shit! All right. Well then, yeah, I'm telling everybody I'm not coming." Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, dude, city. I had one more interview to go. <laughs> the right point, <laughs> The that's, right point. You don't is. think that's risky though, because it's like, <laughs> no,
3: I no, because not, cause, well, they could have said, "No, nah, we cool." Yeah. They could
0: have. They could have. But the thing is, I bet on myself. At that time, I knew yeah, I was yeah. good enough to get it. I yeah. knew I was. Why do they need to know what the number was? They just yeah, need yeah. to know they offered me. So you better pull
1: the trigger quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, one thing too to note, <clears throat> there's a lot of UX, there's a lot of talented UX designers, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of gifted UX designers. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know, as soon as you hit the door, you know, when mm-hmm. you're in any new environment, who mm-hmm. the ones that have just, you know, talent
2: mm-hmm.
1: and who the ones are, who are gifted and the companies nowadays are going after the ones that can mm-hmm. bring the most. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. everyone is using that title of UX designer. You know, some 80-year-old woman could probably mm-hmm. say, oh, my UX designer.
2: Yeah.
1: But it requires you to think on a, a totally different level, you know, to be mm-hmm. really gifted in the craft.
0: Right. D- have you say? Ha- would you say you've reached that level? Are you gifted at this point yet? Or are you still working towards that?
1: I don't want to ever say that I arrived. I would just say I'm still working towards that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done everything that I could to make sure that I stay on the pulse as far as keeping my creative talent
2: up, mm-hmm.
1: you know, mm-hmm. and, like doing projects and stuff like that. And like I said, reading and, and aligning myself with, you know, good people that within the UX community, mm-hmm. um, people like my portfolio, they like what I have in it, mm-hmm. but I don't think I can ever say that I've arrived right because i'm always going to be open to you know learning something something new i
3: have a question
0: um yeah
3: so you know especially saying that you you know you, you haven't felt like you haven't arrived yet you know that you're still constantly working so like what are some of the things even nowadays with doing your normal day-to-day work stuff what are some things that you are still using to utilize you know getting better is it kind of just like taking the work situations that you have and then expanding on them when you get home or is it like kind of working on your own case studies like I'm not playing like imaginary but you know kind of like how would you develop something out this way or that way or Mm -hmm. you know looking at the technologies that are uprising and trying to think of how you would do the ux for that
1: for for me I'll just go through my phone and look at apps that I see are potential have potential roadblocks in it like uh, one of the apps that I have on my phone is the um, like the tesla app and they have like Mm -hmm. the schedule appointment Uh, interface where you can schedule an appointment but it's very cumbersome right now and if you're on a smaller phone like mine you kind of miss certain things because they built towards a certain size phone Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so it's doing little stuff like that because most people don't even realize that you can find stuff to work on in your own environment just by looking on your phone Mm mm-hmm uh, for me, because I started taking on uh, freelance opportunities where I'm developing coding websites. I use Elementor Pro, which is like this page builder on WordPress. So mm-hmm. what I'll do is I'll go on YouTube and I'll follow this one guy and I'll see what the latest features are, you know, within Elementor that I can use within my next project. So I think for me, it's because I'm always like in a, this a creative mindset mm-hmm. that I can always find something to do that kind of help continue like my craft and continue my, my learning about, you know, UX. Okay. Cause that helps me, I think help me become a better designer. So I'm not the same one that I was six months ago, a year mm-hmm. ago,
3: even like a couple of weeks ago. How do you stay in that constant? I mean, I know you kind of say like you're always in it and you're always kind of working with it, but yeah. how do you stay away from like not being away from it?
1: Um, <clears throat> I think for me, it's just once again going back to what I feel like I can, or how I feel like I can impact the customer, okay, or how I can impact, you know, like an end user on a particular feature or something like that that mm-hmm. just required a little tweak or a little, you know, finessing here and there to make the experience that much better. Because I'm always going to be like an advocate for the customer. Now, like I said before, I'm an artist, so because of that, I kind of have this crazy creative mind state anyway um, I normally I sometimes have to take breaks myself because like the idea won't come or sometimes I just need yeah. you know step back and say okay am I making the right decision from a customer standpoint or can it be reworked you know a totally different way and in those instances it's good to just you know kind of just step back because a lot of times if you just let the idea kind of marinate, and it manifests itself a little bit, you find that your first choice is not always the best choice, mm-hmm. if that helps.
3: No, that's awesome, man, thank you.
1: Yeah.
0: I just, I have a question for you, man. So being an artist, um, I know that a lot of times we get, um, you know, the stereotype of being procrastinators, Mm-hmm. Or, you know, waiting to the last minute. Or we have to wait for that last minute or that moment for us to finally click. Yeah. Um, do you struggle with that at all? And if so, how do you push past that?
1: Uh, I still struggle with it, with certain things. Um, mm-hmm. I will tell you, since I've been a UX designer and working in an agile environment, it has forced me to think quickly and be more decisive about my decisions mm-hmm. uh because as an artist a lot of times you're just kind of indecisive like oh well maybe it should be blue or maybe it should be black but mm-hmm. a lot of times when you're working on a product you don't have time to be you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: dilly-dallying about little like insignificant things it's right. all about you know making sure that the journey's tight and like your screens are right and you making sure mm-hmm. the experience is okay and make sure that, you know, when it goes through research and testing that you button up everything to make sure that the people that's gonna be tested on, you know, votes it favorably. And mm-hmm. so for me it's just working in that environment, knowing that, you know, we're on like these two week sprints and knowing that I have to get, you know, XYZ done within a short period of time kind of motivates me to getting out of my head mm-hmm. and really putting things down on paper and coming up with, you know, a tactical plan of, of attack, how I'm gonna get the work done. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Cause I know for me, it is, it is something that I definitely struggle with. For me, what really bothers me is the longer deadline I have. Like yeah. the longer deadline I have, like I'm, I'm screwed because like my mind has too much time to wander yeah. at that point. But um, the shorter the deadline, the better I thrive. And it's like, it forces me, like you said, to make that decision to hurry the mm-hmm. hell up. And yeah. it's like, do it.
1: Yeah. When I worked at 7-Eleven, when we worked at 7-Eleven together, mm-hmm. like my ideas were going in a black hole because they didn't have sprints at all. They said they were in agile, but they weren't. Mm-hmm. So I would come to work and they would say, well, can you work on this homepage? I was like, sure. And I would do like, one time I did like six concepts. Mm-hmm. Totally different concepts because I had the time and because I went down several different rabbit holes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Cause like you, it's like, you know, when you are a creative, it's like, it's really hard to kind of harness your attention on any one mm-hmm. thing at a time because you like, well, yeah. it could be this way or, you know, I should have it up that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so for me, it was like, I never got a whole lot done because they never really worked in like, a sprint cadence there. Mm-hmm. So it was easy to get jumbled ideas at all times.
0: As far as the future of our education, where do you see it going? You know, as, as this field gets a little bit more popular, you know, people mm-hmm. are gonna try to jump in. They're not gonna know what direction to go in. So they're just gonna try a bunch of things and you can get lost that way. As far as our education and bridging that gap for people wanting to switch careers, where do you see it going?
1: I actually see it. I actually see more, hopefully, more universities taking it seriously mm-hmm. as a career path and a career option. Uh, as recent as maybe a couple of years ago, it still was kind of like an add on mm-hmm. at certain curriculums at, at the university level. And I think they're going to see it as something as beneficial once they see companies like yours and other companies really invest in the time and focus. Into UX design as a practice, Mm -hmm. because it is something that uh, is needed. They're already predicting, you know, for the next umpteen years that there's going to be some form of UX that every company is going to need within their within their process. Mm -hmm. And so, from an educational standpoint, I can see more universities creating like a curriculum and a path around that because they're going to see the number of people who are having to step out. Mm-hmm. a traditional university setting and going mm-hmm. through like a boot camp or going through like an alternate path in order to mm-hmm. you know get their certification so to speak mm-hmm. because it's still like i it's, it's just in my realm it's still kind of like an unknown mm-hmm. like most of the people i know who uh, know and understand ux you know what it is and what we do are in my circle like if i ask my aunt I told her, you know, I'm a UX designer. I explained to her what it is or my mom. She still don't understand what it is.
0: (laughs) That's always going to be that way right now. You same thing, Courtney?
3: I was saying, I go through that same issue when I try to explain to my dad um, what what I'm learning. He's like, what? And I'm like, that's okay. I got to like break it down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've like explained it to my mom like three times. And she's like, I don't see why that just needs to be a profession. And I'm like... (laughs) Oh, damn. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I like, well, Jeez. thanks, Mom. <laughs> but again, shit, she was shit. wanting me to be a musician, so it's kind of... Oh, well. Oh. Yeah. yeah you, you, oh. With it. you got um, a question? Yeah. What would you say are your long terms with UX? Like, what would you like to transition into? Like, do you want to, like, potentially step into management? Do you want to own, you know, do your own consulting, on your own? Um, just out of curiosity.
1: I think for me, I definitely am not a people manager at all unfortunately <laughs> i I can i'm I do well as an individual contributor mm-hmm. but when you go into people management and I've seen this over and over again with a couple of people that I work with who transition into that you mm-hmm. don't really have much creativity into that anymore like my mm-hmm. my wife she's a fashion technical designer she's a highly creative person but when she went into management, all the creativity that she had was stripped away and replaced with administration. Yeah, when she went into um, management, she was making more money, but she didn't like the administrative part, having Mm -hmm. to set up time for reviews and having to go over goals and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think in order for me to maintain a creative mindset and really enjoy what I do, Mm -hmm. I don't think I would want to go Beyond maybe either a consultant or like a principal, so there Mm -hmm. are principal. If you don't know about this career, there are principal UX designers that are out there, where Mm -hmm. they are about the same as a director salary wise, but they're individual contributors.
0: Explain that concept to them.
2: Elaborate more. So
1: when I got hired at Elevate Credit, my my boss at the time, he was a principal, and. He was responsible for doing all their UX work that they had been doing up until that point. He was kind of like an internal consultant for Elevate. So mm-hmm. he brought his knowledge from American Airlines, Fossil, and wherever else that he worked prior as a consultant to work for them on, you know, whatever projects that they had. And so a lot of times he would manage their Agency relations because they normally had an agency doing some of their work for them. What he couldn't do, and he would, you know, consult with them on, you know, specifics about the brand, uh, specifics about, you know, what things should be included within, you know, journeys and stuff like that for the customer because he was closer to that because he worked internally. But um, he was considered a principal, and he had no, you know, direct reports. But he did a lot of work from a consultant basis.
0: Have have you been, like, actively looking for, you know, a, a permanent place to call home as far as a, a, a job? Or are you really just the, riding the freelance wave at this point?
1: Uh, No, I'm actually looking for a job. Okay. <laughs> so I would tell you, because some people have, um, they kind of disregard freelance work because they mm-hmm. say, well, you already make enough money. You know, UX ex is already making enough money as it is. Why you want to freelance? Mm-hmm. But with freelancing, one thing that I like about it is that it forces me to grow up really quickly because I'm the mm-hmm. only one who can yep. figure out some of the things that a client will want. Mm-hmm. You know, when they come to me and they say, well, I need you to build me out a five page website and they need to have X, Y, and Z on it. I'll mm-hmm. never tell them no, but I also will have to figure out, you know, how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like that aspect of that. But I still like the idea of being able to come into the office and being an individual contributor and working with other members of the team on one common goal. It's like yin and yang, yang. I would rather, you don't mind freelancing, but also like being a part of like a, a greater team as well. It's a need for UX design. I mean, it's like if I could clone yeah. myself like two or three or four or five times, I would. <laughs> yeah. Because there's such a... A need. So I feel like I would be doing myself a disservice and everyone else to, mm-hmm. you know, not do as much as I can to help everybody. And I like helping people. Mm-hmm. That's odd.
0: Somebody would I mean, that you would get the comments of, you know, you already make X amount of money as a UX designer. What do you need mm-hmm. to freelance for? It's odd. People say that. I mean, it's like if you look at a millionaire, they don't become a millionaire really doing like essentially one thing. They have multiple right. things. So it's like, why is that any different for us? And for me, I completely agree with you. I mean, it helps you um, <clears throat> helps you sharpen your skills. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, especially your soft skills. Yeah. Because you get to deal with so many types of personalities. It's a it's a hard, it's a harder deal for me doing freelance because um, that's how you eat. Is <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to deal with that person at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like they can walk away from you. Um, you know, yes, you can walk away from them, but they can walk away from you, at least at a job, you know, you may have a bad day one day and, you know, yeah. you may get into it, you'll step away, but your job, you know, for the most part is still there, but with freelance, that's how you eat. So yeah. that helps sharpen your soft skills for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a couple clients up in Boston and the lady, you know, she doesn't always give me like really good mm-hmm. direction sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so it gets kind of frustrating because she only wants to do email. And so we have to go back and forth about that. There's administrative Mm -hmm. things you have to do with uh, Mm -hmm. lesson 2 as far as like invoicing and making sure people are paying on time or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, making sure that your quality of work is is consistent. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. you're working two or three o'clock in the morning to get something done because you told them that you would get it done by a certain Mm -hmm. period of time. So you have to be a boss and just get it, just you know, work through it. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, freelancing has saved my butt so many times because I've always said you should never be loyal to any one company because no one company is going to be loyal to you. Mm-hmm. When it's mm-hmm. time for them to make cuts, I don't care how cute your designs are, mm-hmm. how you know nice you are. And it's not because of, you know, my most recent experience. I've always felt this way. It's really Mm -hmm. up to you to go in there, infiltrate that network and get and learn and grab all you can while you're there. Literally. And then when it's your time to go, when you feel like your mission is up, Mm -hmm. go somewhere else, infiltrate their network, find, learn, grab, you know, all that you can from them and Mm -hmm. move on to somebody else.
0: Mm-hmm. And then eventually you'll get to the point where you want to take all the things that you learn yep. and make your own shit. Yep. To be that's yep. really ultimately the end goal. Like, you know, my girlfriend has this saying, she's like, uh, you know, I get in the UX so I can get out. You get in, learn what you can, and that way you can get out and start your own shit. How do you price your work for freelance?
1: <clears throat> so <laughs> that's always, <laughs> it's always controversial. And I'm going to explain it a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. I don't charge people the same for a website. Mm -hmm. And I charge them based upon complexity of Mm -hmm. the website and the complexity of the personality I'm going to have to deal with. (laughs) You (laughs) come in and you tell me, oh, well, I know how to code and, you know, you know, at custom HTML, I just don't have time to do it. Nine times out of 10, I'm going to charge you more because that's going to be one layer of stress Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to deal with on Mm -hmm. top of designing the website.
2: Mm.
1: So for me... If you come in as a customer and you are bright eyed and bushy tailed and you don't really know anything about a website Mm -hmm. and you just want someone to come in and do the work for you, Mm -hmm. sight unseen, I will charge you less. Mm -hmm. But if you're coming in and with experience and you say, well, I've used Wix and all these other things and I just want someone to, you know, really, Mm -hmm. you know, do the website for me. I know you're not going to be sight unseen. I know you're going to be hands on at that point. Someone charge Mm -hmm. you more. Okay. There was a girl, she asked me to develop, to design an app for her like Mm -hmm. a few months ago Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and I was going to charge her $12,000 to do the app because of what she wanted. But Mm -hmm. a third of that was research. Mm -hmm. And I tried to explain to her the importance of the research. And Mm -hmm. I said, I'm not conducting the research. I said, I have a director friend here. She works in a usability office Mm -hmm. and she manages. Mm -hmm. You will be conducting the usability testing, the AB testing, the quantitative qualitative data that you need. Because I said, you don't know whether your app is going to bomb or not. I would rather you find mm-hmm. out in the early stages before mm-hmm. it hits the market. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that she really understood, you know, why it was so expensive. But I was like, if, you know, if she wanted a bargain app, you know, yeah. go, to, go on to Alibaba. There's a couple of sites <laughs> similar to Alibaba if you want your app done for a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. And it won't work right. It probably will get rejected from the Apple Store because the components to use will be all jacked up and janky looking. Yeah. But you know, if you want really good solid UX put into it, you have mm-hmm. to invest the time and energy into doing it. Because mm-hmm. good UX, this is one of the things I've learned. Good UX is expensive, but mm-hmm. bad UX is even more expensive.
2: Hmm.
0: Sure is. it sure is shit (laughs) I mean you
1: see you saw that oh my god yes I've seen it
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jesus man but Titus man I don't want to keep you too much longer Uh, if you could you know give my apprentices uh, Courtney, Eon, and Zach you know some words of encouragement or at least uh, you know how to avoid some potholes once they're done and stepping out into the workforce
1: best advice i give you guys is just remain confident uh never allow a no today to discourage you because a no today just means no today it doesn't mean no forever uh mm-hmm. there's a couple companies that i apply for jobs for and they told me no initially and then later on once um you know i had a year of experience in, they're like oh okay you know he's about something so mm-hmm. never let that uh discourage you always stay positive and always surround yourself with people that you can learn from. So I'm happy to report that I'm not always the smartest one in the room. There's yeah. other people that's within my inner circle that are a lot smarter than I am. And like I rely upon those people to give me you know, feedback and really tell me what I need to know and not necessarily what I wanna hear. Right. As long as you have, you know, those things you keep in, to be mindful of, you know, don't ever be discouraged. And it will become there will be times where you'll be like, mm, maybe I should just go work at Bucky's. Don't ever <laughs> let yourself get to that point. <laughs> Hell no. <nah. laughs> <laughs> don't ever, don't let yourself get to that point. Just stay encouraged and really motivated, but really surround yourself with people that, you know, that you can learn from that you can glean from.
0: Perfect, man. Titus, I really appreciate your time.